Truth Real is back. And it's been a while since we've been with you. And a lot's happened in the last few months. As uh, 2020 has progressed, we've been spectators of a clear and shifting order of everything that's going on in the world. It's really no secret. Our daily reminders come in a plethora of ways and at different times during the day. I mean, the news cycle tells you. Social media sends its notifications. And like after like and share after share just keeps the thread going and going. The mainstream media feeds it to us, and we eat it up. The year started with a bang, all right. It really did. But the bangs just don't seem to stop. Think of it. Earthquakes in the Caribbean, followed by volcanoes erupting left and right. Now a new virus, which seems to have its hand on a lever, sending people to their deaths halting cities, and literally paralyzing commerce internationally as well as nationally. And if that isn't enough, a whole new election cycle has renewed new tensions and calls for revolution. It seems like the last election cycle never ended, but just carried over somehow through the last four years to bring us back around to do it all over again without so much as a as a pause or or a breather. The stock market shoots up and plummets down like some teeter-totter, and all the while we try to keep some semblance of stability and normalcy. 2019 really ended no different, with calls for action around the world to to act against climate change, with, uh, with a new and improved propelling force moving forward. Um, And um, this time, through the voice and face of Greta Thunberg. In her own words, um, she, she, she gives us sort of a prognostication of what's to come. She says, I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear that I feel Every day. Boy, if that wasn't a reflection of where we are now, just a few months later. And it's only March. With everything that we see happening around us now, you'd think that we'd already surpassed a whole 12 months. Because that's how much time seems to have gone by. But it's only been three months not even a whole three months of 2020. The velocity at which we see these world events take place really doesn't allow us much time for recovery or contemplation. And with the media hyper-focusing on the coronavirus and with all of the spin that comes with it, the, the, the speculation and even the sensationalism that's constantly coming at us and add to that our own thoughts and and our conversations with others and and again all of the barrage of notifications we're getting from our social media accounts on all of this and it seems that just from the last two or three weeks our conversations have changed dramatically and then add to that the stress of the political divide 
and the never-ending polarization, it's, it's no wonder that depression and anxiety are more prevalent in this century than ever before. We just want it all to stop. A few years ago, before one of the greatest minds of our time, Stephen Hawking, passed away. He began to focus his public appearances to speak on how scientific advancement should be focusing its efforts beyond just the realm of discovery, but on an actual plan of saving the human race via relocation. He asserted that for the human race to survive due to the threat of climate change, overpopulation, epidemics like the one we're seeing now, and even the potential of an asteroid strike. Humans need to colonize a new planet, and soon. That's Stephen Hawking. And it's not that the human race has ever been obsessed with total annihilation scenarios before, but I really find Hawking's proposition fascinating, especially now. With expeditions to Mars and Jupiter, with the purpose of actually preparing and sending a team to go to Mars in the near future, Hawking's proposition doesn't sound too far-fetched. But can it actually be done? And is that the answer to all of these doomsday scenarios that activists and scientists insist must and should scare us? I really find it hard to be inspired by someone who is insisting that I and that you must be afraid, that we should panic. You know, using fear as a motivator to do anything usually does not end well. Fear has the tendency of not only jettisoning the power of reason, but has also shown us historically the complete and utter indifference that one part of humanity can have for the other, all in the name of the collective good. Because from purely from a purely scientific point of view, the survival of a species does not require saving every member of that species. So, in Hawking's colonizing scenario, is it a free-for-all? Is it accessible by everybody or only the essential number needed to repopulate and further the species? When we begin to think of life in terms of just the mere numbers, all of a sudden, the value of life is no longer a question of all life being equal, but rather um, a question of necessity for life. In other words, our worth must be determined by its overall contribution to the whole. And once again, history has shown us unequivocally that this never ends well. Now going back to Hawking and looking at the article that was written in the Telegraph back in June of 2017, Hawking makes these statements. The human race must start leaving Earth within 30 years to avoid being wiped out by overpopulation and climate change. And he made this speech at the Starmus Science Festival in Trondheim, Norway. 
the article goes on to say, the astrophysicist said, it was crucial to establish colonies on Mars and the moon and take a Noah's Ark of plants, animals, fungi, and insects to start creating a new world. This all sounds like, it sounds like fairy tales. But this is no fantasy. Hawking is dead serious. And here's the thing. A hundred years ago, these statements would have been dismissed as ridiculous. Today, besides all of the wonders and advances of technology, all of the doomsday scenarios presented by Hawking are seen by many around the globe as realistic, as clear and present dangers. Now, most of us, while we may acknowledge that the condition of the world is certainly precarious, to say the least, what really takes up our time is what is in our immediate circle of influence, our family, our homes, our jobs, our kids, our, our kids' education, making sure that, that we can put food on the table and that we have security for the future. That's what takes up our time. It may be something that we think about every once in a while, climate change and overpopulation, but it really isn't at the top of our priority list, or at least it hasn't been. Either because we don't believe it, or we don't believe it will be something that we will have to deal with in our lifetime. And this type of thinking is usually referred to as the normalcy bias. We live assuming that all is well and all will be well. The sun will come up tomorrow. Paycheck will post on Friday. My bank will be open for business. My car will start and take me to point B from point A. I'll see my wife or my husband and, and, and my kids when I get home after work. Until 9-11. There's an example of a pretty large disruption. And obviously, the tragedy of that day will be something that those who were directly affected will live with probably for the rest of their lives. But if you're someone like me, who just saw it happen from the comfort of my apartment and a few states away, it still felt like time stood still. And most of us, if not all of us, can remember where we were and what we were doing on that day. Every year, when we come to September 11, we go back. We remember. And our reaction on 9-12, the very next day, is indicative of this, um, of how that day was etched in our conscience and in our humanity. Because suddenly, partisan politics were set aside. Our differences were put on hold. A majority of us, whether religious or not, all of a sudden went back to church. We began to ask those hard questions about life and our existence. The very same questions that we have been dealing with on truth real we look for for meaning because 
we're reminded of how precious and just how fragile life can be in these moments. Life has really never been the same since 9-11. To a degree, we, we probably have returned to a form of normalcy, but not really. But it's never really been like it was before that day. I mean, look at, look at our society. Our literature, our, our entertainment, our movies, art, have all become just a little bit darker, haven't they? A little bit more edge. A little bit more fatalistic. Reflecting our current culture. Within the storytelling, the music making, and the artistic expression, we can see it. And it's not that nihilism wasn't ever a variable before, but it's certainly running rampant now. The 20th century really became a pivot point for the postmodern man. My own profession is in the arts. I'm a singer by trade, actually. I've lived and breathed music and the performing arts all of my life. And I've learned to recognize that art, in its various forms, is a direct reflection of the culture in which it was born. There's really no escaping it. You know, it was Andrew Fletcher who said, Give me the making of the songs of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. Fletcher was an 18th century political figure from Scotland. Now, there are about 300 years between him and us, but his statement couldn't be more true. And I'm not saying that there still doesn't exist a good old-fashioned American optimism of fighting for truth and justice, and uh, th- that we continue to live in a, in a world where the good guys always win. But the current state of the world seems to be sinking us further and further away from those blue skies that are supposed to shine on me. And, 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 and that is what we want, isn't it? We want those blue skies. But how we get there is the biggest question in our minds. Do we survive or are we headed to a point of no return? Now, scientists like Hawking and climate activists like Greta Thunberg and various politicians around the world seem to be pointing to some grand catastrophic end where there's no outlet save our own action to prevent it. Now, the current COVID-19 pandemic is another perfect example. And we're right, in the, we're right smack in the middle of it now. This is something that, that has no partiality, this, this disease. It has no recognition of borders, of cultures. This is global. Death tolls are rising every day. New cases are rising every day. I mean, check out what's happened just in the last 48 hours. Public events are being canceled. Universities halting on-campus classes. Travel has now been restricted. Workers are being told to stay home and work from home. And just this morning... We saw that Nike's closing all of its stores. Apple has closed all of its stores. 
the NBA, the NHL, suspending their seasons until further notice. The whole world as we know it has been, to a certain degree, paralyzed in the matter of just a couple of weeks. Now, perhaps we haven't been completely paralyzed, right? Because we're still allowed to go out, even though we're being told stay in. But the last time the world stopped was 9-11. But not even to this level. And we stopped because we never expected to be actual witnesses to something we might only see in a book or a movie. So in the context of our ongoing conversation about truth and our existence and where this is all going, we can't, ju- we can't really dismiss this at all. We can't pretend it isn't there. We confront it. We ask and question with boldness. And while we pause, we seek. And in seeking, we find. So in the midst of all of it, where do we turn to? There's enough that we can see with our own eyes to tell us that while we do what we can with all of our advancement and all of our knowledge, still, we're not able to solve everything. We think we can, but in every scenario, science or academia can somehow tell us that the human species is headed towards extinction, or pretty close to that. And a good majority of the world believes it. Then you have brilliant minds like Hawking, talking about colonizing another planet in order to save the species, but really never addressing that if we are able to do just that, with all of our ingenuity and the creative human spirit and the will to survive, and actually colonize another world, that we wouldn't end up doing the same thing to that new planet? Would crime and war be a thing of the past? Would disease like this pandemic, the genetic defects that we see, would they be eliminated once and for all? And what about poverty and hunger and greed? Would we do away with them? Would we finally be able to stop death? <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's all good and well to talk about the survival of the species, that we continue to live, that we, that we continue to thrive, to, to, to procreate, innovate, and ensure that generations of others will come after us. And yet, that seems so calculated, so cold and so esoteric. We would still experience the loss of life. 
and even if it's just due to old age or natural causes, our mortality would continue to define us as it does now. And so here is where I have to ask, with as much sincerity as possible, do we just blindly accept this? The solution to leave Earth, travel through space, and populate a new planetary body? Now remember, this is not from some science fiction book. This is a real scientist, one of the great minds of our time, offering this as an option. And, 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 and it's because a noted scientist like Hawking suggests it that most of us may say, okay, sure. It's possible. Now, others might find it far-fetched and dismiss it, and like it's some simple adventure story. But in our advanced age, think about it. Is it really that far-fetched that we might be able to accomplish something like that? So, leaving Earth is a viable solution. And the only one, according to Hawking. So why is it, I wonder that we would dismiss the solutions given by another man, by a historical person, the historical person that we have been studying, looking at, that we've been asking questions about, the person of Jesus. Why would we call his solution pie in the sky? Because it isn't scientific? Because he lived over 2,000 years ago? Because there's no way he has the knowledge of someone like Stephen Hawking. Now think about it for a second or two. In all seriousness, Hawking talks of climate change, pandemics, asteroids striking the earth, etc. And it's all apocalyptic language. And we take it seriously enough to come to hear him speak, to write about it, publish it and even go as far as making a documentary about the man. Deserved? Absolutely. Is he brilliant? One of the greatest minds of our time? Absolutely, yes. And here we have a man who we've already established as a legitimate historical figure who lives healing the sick, feeding the hungry, standing up against oppression, and promising that one day we will actually leave the earth and no longer be defined by our mortality. And we love and accept all of the do-gooder stuff that he does. And that's as far as we're willing to go. But leaving the earth and somehow given immortality? Come on. Who's going to go that far? Who's going to believe that? But wait a minute. Hawking is saying the only solution really is leaving the earth. Because we're all headed to a place of no return. Now, take for a moment the very words of this historical figure, Jesus. Just listen to what he says. Quote, Countries will fight each other. Kingdoms will attack one another. There will be terrible earthquakes, famines, plagues everywhere. Whole countries will be in despair, afraid of the roaring of the seas and the raging tides. 
people will faint from fear as they wait for what is coming over the whole earth. And such will be the spread of evil that many people's love will grow cold. Unquote. So, can we discount these words? I look at this, and then I look at the world, even before COVID-19, even before this pandemic, and I can't argue with this. Forget about religion. Let's forget about religion because that's where the conversation goes south. I'm not talking about religion here. I'm simply objectively looking at our current state in the world. I'm looking at what Hawking has said. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what Greta Thunberg has been saying and continues to say and what other activists. And I'm asking if so many are willing to take Greta and Hawking seriously, then why are so many all of a sudden willing to dismiss these words spoken by Jesus, who we have determined to be one of the most relevant and influential figures in all of human history? And look, if you're just tuning into this podcast, if this is your first time listening in, take time to go back and listen to the first eight episodes to catch up. Now, while Hawking and many in the scientific community offer solutions like leaving the planet, or Greta begs global leaders to move forward with various protocol and to take action in order to slow climate change so we can somehow save our planet from this disaster. And here we have this man, Jesus, giving a litany of different events, which we can obviously identify with our own daily news threats. Tell me if all of that that he said isn't something we're witness to now. But here's the thing. He doesn't leave it there. He also offers a solution. And by the way, the solution isn't offered with fear, being afraid. It isn't fear that motivates his solution. And it's his solution. And it's actually not so far removed from Hawking's own solution, leaving the planet. But along with leaving the planet, an end to suffering an end to disease like the one we see now. No more pandemics. No more war. And an end to hate. An end to death. Now, do we listen? Isn't that what we all want? And especially now in the midst of all this. How many people have died? How many families are now mourning the loss of their loved ones? And who cares how old they are or how old they were? In Italy right now, they are now operating under a triage system which forces them to treat those that they believe have a better chance to survive and will have a quality of life. And usually that means discarding those who are of an older age. It's incredibly inhumane and I'm not judging anyone on this because I get it's a disaster and I get that the hospitals are overrun I get that but 
with the solution that this man is offering Jesus. Don't we want an end to all of that? Can you imagine having to make that decision? Who lives, who dies? I know that just reading it and listening to to those words, an end to all of it, I know it's what I want. And this is what he says. I am coming soon. I know, pie in the sky, right? Pie in the sky. But we can all build a ship. And not all of us, because if you read what some of these scientists say about a scenario like that, it couldn't be the whole human race. Right? It could only be a few. Just enough to save the species. This man who came and did all the things that we admire, that we're calling out for today, an end to hatred, an end to prejudice and racism, an end to the classes, right? An end to their existing pain and suffering and, 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 and the poor. He, he did, he lived for these people. So again, we're willing to go as far as, man, that's good. I, that, that's what I would agree with. I, I completely see that and I want to be that. But when he says, I'm actually going to come again. And when I come again, I'm going to end it all. And we're going to start over. Complete reset. But that's where people stop. Because it's not logical, right? It, it, it's, not, it's not realistic. How can a man who died a very public death somehow resurrect and now, can, and now we can expect him to come again and end all of this? Think of it. Think of it. Just think of it for a second. Consider it. It's not about finding some higher plane of existence here on this earth that other religious ideologies offer while still having to confront and deal with our own mortality. What Jesus says is, I am coming soon and there will be no more death, no more crying and no more pain. Science can't offer that. They can't. Governments can't offer that. How many have died? How many will die? Even with the solutions the government is giving. And even religion cannot offer that. But Jesus does. What's there to resist? He's got enough credibility, doesn't he? Because he lived what he said he was. There is no reason why we cannot consider that under the current state of affairs in our world and the evidence we've covered thus far, that we can and should take Jesus seriously. Because if even the scientific community and those who have been and our activists are convinced that there is some grand apocalyptic event that is imminent, but cannot offer a solution that saves the whole species, but only a few of us, but that actually will consider all of us individually and equally valuable and can give us a whole new beginning that guarantees us life that is no longer limited or under the threat of fear or loss, 
then however too good it may sound, perhaps the truth is exactly that. Amazingly good and incredibly true. around the world whose hearts are feeling them for fear. Isn't this a plague? No, that, that term is too biblical. But isn't it interesting that Hawking and that many who talk about the seriousness of the times we're living in and that we have to take action, that they always end up using biblical terms to be able to capture the seriousness and the depth of where we find ourselves in? The clear and present dangers that we face? We, and it's so curious to me because many of us, and you can see it on social media, and understandably so, we look at, we look at what the president has done, we look at what other presidents are doing, and a lot of us complain and say, man, if they only had done this, they're not really doing a good job. Can they really stop this from happening? Oh, everyone's overreacting. So there's a lot of this complaining going on about the, the, um, the response, right, by all of these leaders around the world that we could have done it better, that how can this happen? Or on the other side, it's complacency. Eh, it's not as bad as people say. It's ridiculous. Why are we canceling everything? Why, why are our businesses closing? And then there are those who are worried about the impact, the result of this. Well, wait a minute. What about those students who now have to leave their dorms if they're living on campus because campuses are closing? How are they going to get home, especially now that travel is being suspended? And do they come back? How long are we in this? How long will Nike stores be closed? How long will Apple stores be closed? All of a sudden, the normalcy of life, the everyday convenience that we are used to, and even going to the markets, the empty shelves that we see. You know, these are things, again, we usually see in movies or we see from afar on a news report happening in some other far distant country. So again, it's never really touched us. And it's making us angry. Because we're not used to this. It is unprecedented. So what do we do with it? Do we have the solution? 
I don't think so. And while at this point, I need to also give a shout out to all of our medical care responders, the nurses, the doctors, the ambulance drivers, all of those people that are now putting their own lives on the line because this virus is a little more deadly than than the flu, they say. And we've seen the evidence of that in other countries like Italy. The whole country is closed. Who ever heard of a closure of a whole country? Maybe in history? Oh, but not in our modern age. And again, we see these things in film and in movies, but now we're experiencing it. And all of a sudden, the words of this man, Jesus, are happening right in front of us. Is he credible? And should we look further and deeper into these things? Is it just about leaving the earth and recolonizing? Is it as simple as stopping global pollution and deforestation? Is it about not driving our cars or flying anymore? Which, by the way, it's interesting now that we're not doing that. Things are starting to calm down a little bit, aren't they? Some would say maybe this is nature doing what we're not willing to do, right? Possible. But once we get back to business as usual, when and if, then what? Do we go back to how we have been? And do we go back to this normalcy? Or are we going to take it seriously? And are we, are we aware that, yes, perhaps we are headed to a point of no return? Because I'll tell you what, beyond the pandemics, beyond the scare, beyond the fear, I don't want to experience death anymore. Loss, to, to have to live a limited life. This Jesus promises eternal life. And he says, I'm coming soon. And if you read from where I was reading from, the quote that I gave comes from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Read the whole chapter. Take some time to read it. It's quite awesome. And try to read it without the goggles of religion. Forget about religion. Remember, the Bible existed. Jesus' words existed outside of religion to a certain degree. Yes, and there was a religion that came afterwards, Christianity. But forget about that. Because, you know what? I acknowledge the fact that Christianity has gotten it wrong. We haven't lived up to the the standards of the founder. We haven't. Forget about then churches and how they've acted and what they've done in history. And I think that's something we should look at seriously, actually. Just listen to the words of the man. Do they have credibility? I say they do. Because the evidence is right before us. Again, unprecedented events. And added to that, is the fear and the panic 
the loss of love also. Although these types of events that happen tend tend to bring us closer together. I hope it does. But what I hope it does is it refocuses us to really think through, is there something beyond the current state of affairs? Is there something beyond the world we live in? And is it too good to be true? I don't know. I think it would behoove us to give it a chance. So read through Matthew 24. Really, it's, 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 it, it's a really interesting read, especially in the context of what's happening now. And, and in the context of the solution that Hawking gives, let's all get on the ship and leave the earth. Well, Jesus, Jesus is saying the same thing to a certain degree. I'm coming again. I'm coming soon. And everything that I did, that I lived by, I'm going to do. But this time, I'm going to eradicate it all. No evil. No death. No pandemics. No sickness. No suffering. So if we're willing to accept the do-gooder things he did and say, yeah, we need something like that today. And we've seen with the evidence in history, he existed, he was real. There's no doubting that now. Go back and listen to the previous episodes, catch up, and tell me if this isn't something that should bring us to a pivot point in our own lives and think, is that the solution? Is the solution to push against these things, to try and end end climate change, to try and end this pandemic and then go back to normal life and continue to say goodbye to our loved ones? Or is it better for us to look at and listen to this man? I am coming soon. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. Let's all give it a chance. Because the alternative? I don't know. We don't survive it. But the solution that Jesus offers is eternal life. Is leaving the earth. And not just leaving the earth, but recreating it giving it back to us, fresh and new. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd say it's time for us to really take a serious look at this solution. Let's keep at it. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Truth Reel. For more information and details about this episode, go to truthreel.com.
transistor.fm. Again, that's truthreal.transistor.fm. And you can subscribe to our podcast where all podcasts can be found. Come and continue the journey.